I'm so grateful, Jesus, for you and for your love and for your sacrifice for each of us. Father, I'm so humbled to be able to call myself pastor of Tulia Christian Fellowship. I'm so grateful for such a great church, a great ministry, a great community. Father, I'm so blessed. I'm so humbled to be a part of what you're doing. Father, I'm thankful this morning, as Kurt and I share, that, Father, you would fill our hearts and you'd strengthen us and we'd be encouraged. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Uh, Red alert, men. Tuesday is Valentine's Day. Uh, if it's, if it's, it's not too late, right? We're going to pray and dismiss. Father, I thank you for what you did today. Amen. Now I'm playing. Praise God. We're going to do something a little bit different this morning. Uh, we're going to talk about the five love languages. And here's our primary heart this morning is I want to help you strengthen your family and strengthen your relationships. Now, of course, the love languages apply to marriage, but the love languages apply to children. They apply to grandchildren. They apply to any and all of your relationships. So our heart this morning is to strengthen your family and your relationships. Why are Kurt and I both up here? Well, I'm in my early 60s, and Vicki and I have been married 40 years. Kurt's in his late 20s, and they've been married. He and Megan have almost been married 10 years. And so we wanted to give you different perspectives on this material. Have you ever felt like that you had a teenage daughter or teenage son and that you don't speak the same language? Have you ever thought that about your mate? Have you ever thought that about your wife or about your husband that, hey, somehow we just don't speak the same language? Imagine if Vicky only spoke Chinese and we dated and we courted and we got engaged and got married and I only spoke English and she only spoke Chinese. Well, we all know that we would have a pretty rough start trying to figure that out, wouldn't we? You can imagine that even though Vicky would say every day that she loved me, if she only said it in Chinese, there would, it wouldn't be very effective. Now, I admit we could learn each other's language, and as we learned each other's language, it would strengthen our relationships. Okay, that's exactly what the love languages are. Listen, I have a love language, and it's different than Vicky's love language. We speak a different dialect, and I've had to learn her love language. I've had to learn about who she is and how, how she wants to receive love. Now, here's what happened. It's my second language. Now, here's what we want you to see as we get into this this morning. Everybody has a love language, a primary love language. You can receive all of these, and I do receive all of them, and you do receive all of them. But everybody in your family has a primary love language. Now, I have a bucket this morning, and some of you have seen this object lesson before. This is called your emotion bucket. And every single one of you have one on the inside. And it's got very old mints in it. They're about 10 years old. They don't even smell like mints anymore. It just smells like old plastic. Every one of you have one of these on the inside of you. Not the mints, but the love bucket, right? All right. And every single day, there's deposits and withdrawals made in this emotion bucket, made in this love bucket. Let me just bring it to you from a child's perspective. Your child comes into a room and they trip and fall. You've had a hard day. You're tired. And you say, can you ever come into a room without falling on your face? You drive me crazy. You just made a withdrawal. 
Your child picks up their room to the best of their ability. They don't do it perfect. They don't do it as well as you do, but they try and they make an effort. And you say, hey, I so appreciate you picking up your room. You make a deposit. This happens in every one of our lives every single day. Deposits, withdrawals, deposits, withdrawals. Now, if you've had anything traumatic happen in your life, if you've experienced a death in your family, if you've experienced a divorce in your family, if you've experienced some type of trauma in your family, what happens to your emotion bucket is it becomes completely dumped. I'm 18 years old. I'm a freshman in college, and my father's killed in an accident at his job. My bucket was dumped. My mother's bucket was dumped. My brother's bucket was dumped. Our extended family's buckets were dumped. Every time I'd get close to my mother, I would bump into her with my bucket because I needed a deposit. You see, the only problem was she had nothing to give because her emotion bucket was empty because the trauma we had experienced. So consequently, we would fight. Listen, if you're fighting a lot within your family situation, I can tell you one of the probably reasons is because nobody has anything in their bucket. Your children can experience trauma. You can experience trauma. Now, here's what I want you to see. Imagine, if you will, in your bucket, everybody has one, but imagine if there was a key, all right? Just pretend with me that this has a lock on it this morning, and I can't open it without a lock. Let's say it has a little slit in it like a piggy bank, and every so often, I can take a mint, and I can make a deposit through the cut. I can make a small deposit, but just imagine if I had a key that would open it, and I could open it, and I could make as large a deposit as I wanted to. That's the first thing I want you to see this morning. You see, your mate or your child's love language is the key to their bucket. So the way to be more effective or the most effective is to discover your mate or your child's love language. Then when you want to make a deposit, you have the key to open it, and it's much easier. Now, every single person you know needs a deposit. Every person in this room needs a deposit. When you leave here, if you go to El Camino to eat dinner... The person who waits on you needs a deposit. If you don't go to El Camino and you go by Allsup's and you get a chimichanga and a Dr. Pepper, the person who checks you out needs a deposit. If later on this afternoon you go to Shopco to shop a little bit, the person who checks you out needs a deposit. Every person you know Every person you encounter needs a deposit, whether you understand their love language or not. Once you understand a person's love language, then it's just more effective and more powerful. Now, there are five primary love languages, and every one of you have one of those primary love languages. You can receive all the others, but you have one primary love language. I want to read a scripture to you out of 1 Peter chapter 3, Verse 7. <clears throat> Excuse me. 1 Peter 3, verse 7. This is King James Version. Listen to what it says. Now, this is talking about marriage. But I just want to make sure that you understand. The love languages are not just for marriage. They are for marriage. They will improve your marriage. But they're also for any and all relationships. Listen to what this says. Likewise, ye husbands... Dwell with them. Them is your wife. Dwell with your wife according to knowledge. Now stop right there. Here's what that verse I believe is advocating and what we're saying this morning. It says that you're supposed to dwell with the people you love 
according to knowledge. What does that mean? That means the better you know a person, the better you're able of loving them. When you understand your daughter's love language, when you understand your son's love language, when you understand your grandmother's love language, then you're much more effective at ministering to them. Now, the reference here is for marriage, and it says, husbands, you're supposed to dwell with your wife in knowledge. Here's the thing. The wise man knows his wife's love language. The wise man knows his wife's personality style. The wise man knows his wife's favorite color. Now, let me just go ahead and tell you, gentlemen, don't buy your wife clothes. Because if you get them two sizes too small, you're a dead man. And if you get them two sizes too big, you're a dead man, right? So that's very treacherous ground, buying clothes. But the wise man understands. The same with wives. A wise woman understands her husband. And the more you know about each other, listen to the next thing it says. It says, give honor unto your wife as unto the weaker vessel. Now, here's a misconception in that verse. It says that you're supposed to treat your wife like she's the weaker vessel. It doesn't say she is. What it means is you treat her as if she has great value. Imagine if I went out and bought a brand new Z06 Corvette and it's fire red and it has leather tan interior and it's the best one you can buy. I'm not parking it close to any of your cars. (laughs) Correct? Because I don't want your eight-year-old bashing the back door into the side of it. I park it completely away from everybody. Why? Because it has great value. The scripture says, gentlemen, treat your wife like she is precious and valuable and priceless and irreplaceable. That's what it says. Now listen to the next thing. The next thing it says is, as being heirs together of the grace of life. Vicki and I have been married 40 years, and we're heirs together. Now, don't let me explain to you what that means. Vicki and I have an inheritance. We have a spiritual inheritance that belongs to us. And it says that as couples, we're supposed to be going the same direction, and we want the same things, and we have an inheritance together. Then the last thing it says is be careful that your prayers don't get hindered. Here's what I know. If you're fighting, you're not praying. Isn't it true? Yeah, nothing makes you stop praying quicker than fighting. Vicki and I can meet in the morning to have prayer together, and if we get off on the wrong subject or we talk about something that we don't agree with and we start fussing, we don't pray. We get up and go do our thing because we get out of there. But if you can walk together and get along, it says in the Scripture you can pray together, and there's power in that. Now, let me take time to show you the first love language. The first one I want to talk to you about is words of affirmation. Let me read your scripture in Proverbs 18. Proverbs 18, 21, New King James Version says, death and life are in the power of your tongue. Can I ask you a question this morning? Are you speaking life over your family or are you speaking death over your family? Are you speaking affirming, encouraging words over your family? Or are you giving harsh words and insults over your family? Listen to it. Life and death. It says death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat its fruit. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. Gentlemen, can I have a hearty amen? Amen. Let me try it again. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. 
That was fair. Let's try one more time. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. Amen. Thank you, brothers. There you go. Now you'll get to eat lunch. And it says, and he obtains favor of the Lord. Here's the first love language that Kurt and I want to talk to you about. And it's words of affirmation. If you have somebody in your family whose primary love language is words of affirmation, here's what they're looking for. They want affirming words. They want verbal compliments. They want to be built up instead of torn down. And everybody wants that. And they're looking for unsolicited I love you's and compliments. Have you ever told somebody that you love them and then they leave you hanging? Have you ever done that, right? Hey, I love you, honey. And then you say, you love me too, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, I love you too, right? Or they say, yeah, you know, hey, honey, I love you. Yeah, I know. Right, you, nobody likes that, okay? This, this love language is they want it to be unsolicited. Now, here's what we found out through psychology. One of the deepest human needs is to be appreciated. One of the deepest human needs is to be appreciated. Listen, if you didn't have food in your cupboards and you couldn't feed your family for three days, I know many of you would be very distressed and distraught. But we can go weeks and months and years and not give an affirming word to our wife, not give an affirming word to our children, not give an affirming word to those we love. So the first primary love language is words of affirmation. They need to hear from you kind and affirming words. Here's what they don't need. Insults, sarcasm, and harsh words shatter the person whose love language is words of affirmation. Now, it hurts everybody, right? Listen, it doesn't matter if your primary love language is words of affirmation. Every human being wants to hear good words. Every human being wants to hear kind words. Every single person needs it, correct? All right, thoughts? Uh, you're going to hear a lot of primary love language, and all that means is that's your number one love language. Uh, and we're going to be posting uh, the test uh, online on our Facebook and our website. You're going to be able to link to it and take it, just answer some questions, and it'll tell you what your primary love language is. But everybody needs words of affirmation. So you could find out that your wife's primary love language is quality time. That doesn't mean, oh, I can throw out words of affirmation because I just got to spend time with you. Every human being wants words of affirmation. Uh, they want to hear, uh, you know, I love you. I care about you. I'm proud of you. Uh, if you have kids at home, uh, small kids, high school, college, kids in their 40s, it doesn't matter everybody wants to hear that. And parents, I encourage you to tell your kids that. Um, and, and don't just think, oh, they, they already know. You know, they know I love them. No, tell them. They know I'm proud of them. No, tell them because these words uh, really speak to every person. And sarcasm is always a defense mechanism. Sarcasm is used because I'm going to keep you away from me because probably I've been hurt before by words or by people or by loving. And so I'm going to use that to keep you away and, and to not do that, especially with your family, your loved ones, your spouse, and your kids, to give those words of affirmation. You know, love is always a choice. Uh, Kurt and I just finished reading a book called Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, and he poses this question. He says that if you're struggling with whether or not you love God, he said instead of sitting around trying to make yourself love God, just ask yourself this question. If I loved God, what would I do? 
Then he says, when you discover that thing, then do it. Then you will wake up and realize you do love God. All right, now you can apply that to your marriage. If I loved my wife today, what would I do? When you find that thing, do it. You can apply it to your children, to your grandchildren, to the people in your life. If I loved today, what would I do? Now listen, love is always a choice. You can choose to love or you can choose not to love. Ashley, our daughter, spent the night with us Thursday night in our home. She teaches school at the junior high, and usually one night a week she'll spend the night with us because she commutes from Amarillo. And so on Thursday evening, she didn't want to go home and come back, so she spends the night, and then she's able to be at school on Friday. Well, I took a three-by-five card. I put her name on it, and I just wrote a few affirming words. Here's what I wrote. I love you. I'm proud of you. I'm grateful that I'm your dad. I'm thankful for you. And then I just put love, Dad. It didn't take two minutes. I went out to her car, and I put it inside of her car where she could see it. And when she left to go to school, she could see that note. Now, she came to our house for lunch. And when she got home, the first thing she said when she came in was, Hey, Dad, thanks for the note. Thanks for the note. Okay, that's affirming words. It didn't take me two minutes to do it. But I took the time and the effort, and I chose to love. Does that make sense? And you know what I did? I made a deposit into her love bucket. I made a deposit into her emotional bucket. And if any of you in here are teachers, you know teachers need a deposit. Amen? All right, and everybody else does too. Kurt. One of the things <laughs> I think people can think when he talks about that is, yeah, but if I write a card and put it, you know, to my kids, uh, you know, they're just going to crumble it up and throw it in the trash and say, what was with the weird card? You know, or if I give my wife a card, uh, she's going to do the same thing. Just crumble it up and say, yeah, whatever. Uh, that's 10 years too late. And the thing is, is just to start doing it. Uh, and if they crumble it up and throw it away, you just do another one. And you don't let that discourage you because of past hurts uh, and, and things that have happened through relationships where there's damage, there's brokenness. And it's like, well, that's not going to fix anything now. You just start doing it. One thing about the emotion bucket is if your bucket's empty... Uh, a lot of times we can go to people, and just as Dad said, you bump up to people wanting them to give you a deposit, and ultimately they can't do it. Now, they, we can make deposits into each other's, but I can't fill your bucket. See, my wife, Megan, I can't completely take care of her emotional bucket. That's good. Ultimately, you have to take it to God, all right? That's why we get together at church. That's why we sing together. That's why we pray for each other, so that you can have your bucket filled up right here this morning so that you can go out and then make deposits. You can't depend, you know, you can't bump into your spouse every morning, fill my bucket, fill my bucket, because my wife has needs that I will never be able to fill. That's good. And, and so you, you have to understand that and know that uh, with your emotion bucket and words of affirmation of just jump in there and start today. Two simple things about the emotion bucket too, just what he said. There's two ways you can fill your bucket if your bucket is low. Okay, first, very simply, you just find something you enjoy doing, all right? Now, let me tell you what doesn't work. Uh, necessarily going to a Rangers game, uh, you know, going to Wonderland, uh, going someplace and spending money, those things don't always fill your bucket. Sometimes they have just the opposite effect because they cost you money and it's stressful. Okay, do you know that you can just go and take a simple 20-minute, 30-minute walk 
And do you know that it releases those feel-good chemicals in your brain? And if you and your spouse will walk together and talk together, that it releases those endorphins and it will help put something in your bucket. Now, I'm just talking about the natural. All right, take your kids to the playground and let them play. And while they play, you walk around the park. Then when you get done, get in the car, go by the lumber yard. Why the lumber yard, Pastor? Because they have an ice cream thing right there in the lumber yard. Haven't y'all been in there and seen their container with ice cream? You go right in there and everybody get an ice cream bar. And when you get home, everybody will have a deposit in their bucket. All right, listen, even if you don't do anything but light some candles and take a bubble bath, Okay? And guys, if you do that, you just lock that bathroom door and make sure nobody catches you. <laughs> Amen? Amen? <laughs> right. If you have to sneak and buy your own bubble bath and keep it under the counter, right, by the Drano. And when your wife sees it, say, you don't know who that belongs to. Amen? All right. Now, those are just simple things. Then the second thing, which Kurt already mentioned, is if you'll draw your heart toward God, he will fill your bucket. All right, that's words of affirmation. The second one is quality time, and Kurt's going to talk about that. All right. Uh, The second one is quality time. Uh, Some things about quality time is you give undivided attention to this person. That's what they crave. Uh, Time is uh, precious to them, uh, and and then being there for them is very crucial. Uh, Distractions and postponed dates and failure to listen can really hurt this person. Now, here's some things to know about this person. Uh, If you sit together in the living room and you're both on your phones, they do not consider that quality time. Uh, If you go out to dinner and you're both on your phone or you're distracted by the TV or the computer or emails or anything like that, that is not quality time to this person. They want your absolute undivided attention. Um, the person who craves quality time. And so what happens is, is if you uh, are distracted or you ignore this person or you come home and let's say your wife, uh, her love language is quality time and you come home from work and you're tired and you had a long day and you think, I just need some time to myself. I need to get away. To her, that can be hurtful because she wants to spend time with you. And so you can't be distracted. You can't be uh, focused on other things. You have to give them your undivided attention. Now, some simple things that dad already talked about, you know, uh, quality time is go for a walk. Uh, with your spouse, uh, if you want to do that, uh, you, you know, go have dinner and, and have a no phone rule, you know, put your phones in your pocket, maybe leave them in the car and actually have a conversation with each other. Um, and, and, and it's important guys to find out that if this is your wife's love language and the other way around, if your husband's, because you can really begin to fulfill uh, that need. Now, one of the things that happens in marriage is we very quickly become frustrated with each other. And we become frustrated because it's like, you're not giving me what I need. And it's like, well, what do you need? Well, I don't even know what I need, but you're not giving it to me, right? <laughs> Come on. And, and, and so what happens is, is your wife may, you know, Quality time, that may be her deal. And yours is something else, and so you think that that's what she wants. So you're trying to give her gifts and flowers and candy and things like that, and she's not, that's not her primary love language. She enjoys it, but it's like I'm really looking for something else. And then you get frustrated because, heck, you don't appreciate what I do for you. And so it's important to find out what these are so that you can begin to act on that. And you know, like, hey, quality time. I know that I need to spend time with you in the evenings. I need to listen to you. Uh, one of the things I've heard is when you're listening to someone, don't respond because when you are going to respond, you're thinking about what you're saying while they're talking and you're not listening. You're thinking, well, here's what I'm going to say to you. And so if your wife is quality time, just sit and listen. 
You know, uh, if you've seen uh, the penguins of Madagascar and they say, smile and wave, boys, just smile and wave. Just smile and nod. Right? When your wife, you quality time, your husband wants quality time, you just smile and nod. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. My wife always tells me, I don't want you to fix everything. Right? I just want you to shut up and listen. Right? And so you, you have those, uh, you have to think about those things when you think about what their primary love language is. Now, when, when Dad and I started talking about doing this and we were going to split the message up, we kind of talked about how this is psychology-based, right, a lot of this material. But then we said, how could we apply this spiritually in the side of what's God's love language? And, right, we think, well, God is love, so he's got all of them. Well, physical touch is out of the book, right, because you can't hug God. So, I mean, that one's out. So we kind of really sat down and said, what, what would God's love language be? And we came to the conclusion of what it's not, what we've thought for decades, the church has thought that God's primary love language is acts of service, that God wants you to do stuff for him, right? We think right now that this is acts of service. We're in church, we're attending a service, and this is, you know, this is fulfilling his need of acts of service. I give part of my money. I, I serve in youth or in power kids, and I'm doing acts of service. But actually, that's wrong. God's primary love language is quality time. The reason God wants you in church is because he wants to be with you. The reason God wants us to sing and praise and worship is because he wants to be with you. The reason God wants you to read your Bible every day is because he wants to be with you. And so God's primary love language is quality time. Now, I want to read you a story out of uh, Luke. This is 10. This is talking about Jesus. And it's, this is 10, verse 38. And it says, And Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem. They came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair that you may take my, you know, my sister just sits there while I'm doing all the work? Tell her to come help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all the details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Martha has discovered it and it will not be taken from her. So Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus listening and spending time with him. And Martha's in the kitchen mad. She's preparing the meal. And very clearly we understand that, see, acts of service did not impress Jesus, which Martha was doing, preparing a meal for them. And she was mad, saying, hey, tell Mary to come help me. And he said, no, she's found what's right listening to me, which was spending quality time with Jesus. So, I mean, that can totally change your relationship with God, your view of God, of that God just wants to spend time with you. You know, if you'll just listen to your family, you'll learn what their love language is. If your wife has ever said to you, you never spend any time with me, what she's telling you is, my love language is quality time. If your husband says, you know, you never talk to me, then what he's telling you is words of affirmation is his primary love language. It's amazing if you'll just listen to those around you. Now, we're also making it easy because we're putting a simple little test on our website, tcf.church. You can get on there this afternoon. There's no football. Everybody has tons of free time, right? I mean, I don't know what's on TV this afternoon. I have no clue. But you're going to have some free time because there's no football. And you can get online, get on our website, and take that five-minute little test. And let me encourage you. If you say, well, Pastor, I've already done that, and I know what my love language is. And if you do, fantastic. 
But I would encourage those of you that have even done it before, just get on and refresh it. Take it again. Just refresh yourself. If you took time to do it with your loved ones, if you did it with your kids, if you did it with your teenagers, if you did it with your mate, and then begin to understand what each other's love language is, would you talk a little bit about the devotional that's on the YouVersion Bible app? There's uh, two different devotionals on the YouVersion Bible app. Uh, one is the five love languages for her, and the next one is the love languages for him. So there's a guy and a girl, seven-day devotional. Uh, we're going to be posting these to Facebook. Uh, and then if you have the app already, you can just go to plans in the bottom of your screen and search and just type five love languages, and these will pop up. And I encourage you to do these uh, over the next seven days as we go through this series to read through these. They're going to have a little devotional and some scripture to kind of back up what we're going to be teaching you. And over the next week, we're going to go over the other three love languages. And so it would be good for you to read through this this week. And obviously, guys, do the one for God. Guys, girls for girls. When Vicky and I were young, married, and we were in trouble in our relationship, and what I mean by that is we weren't doing well, and we needed some counseling, and we went to counseling. And the thing I want you to understand about counseling is wise people get counseling. Strong people get counseling, not weak people. See, I was raised in a family where you don't dare tell anybody your problems because it's nobody's business, and that's an unhealthy way to live. We didn't want to live like that, so we went to counseling. And one of the most powerful things we ever learned was our personality style. The second most powerful thing I ever learned was my wife's love language. Now, her love language is acts of service. We're going to go into that in more detail next week. But I know how to make a deposit in her bucket. I know what works. Listen, Valentine's is Tuesday. My wife does not want flowers. She does not want jewelry. She does not, She likes candy, but she does not want me to go buy her a big box of candy. She likes me to do things for her. She told me last week, I bought a new mailbox and a new post, and you haven't put it up for three years. <laughs> three years. Yeah, so you know what I need to do Valentine's, right? Is put up the mailbox, okay? I thought three years, that can't even be possible. I mean, how's it been three years? Look at her, look at her. She's like, it's been three years. Okay, see, she knows all those things, and, and that's her primary love language, and it has so helped us. My primary love language is quality time. I want to spend time together. And it doesn't matter how much time we've spent together, it's not enough. Have you ever heard that saying, that person's like an emotional black hole? Y'all, you ever heard that before? You know what a black hole is, right? It doesn't matter how much you put into it, it's never enough. Okay, I'm an emotional black hole, okay? No matter how much time I've spent together with my family, I can always do more. My wife will even tell me, you know, we've spent too much time together. We, you know, we, we don't need to be together night and day. But I know that's what my love language is, and she knows it. Listen, if you're thinking this morning, I don't have time for this, Pastor. You know, I got stuff to do, right? I don't have time to find out what my love language is. In fact, I don't even care what my love language is. Listen, can I just encourage you? This will really help you. If you want a better marriage, if you want a stronger marriage, if you want a stronger family, there's not anybody in here that does not want a stronger family. Listen, I want a strong family. 
Okay, I had a family growing up, and it was stolen from me when my father died. And I always wanted a family after that, and I have one. And I want my family to be strong, and I want it to be healthy. This has really, really helped us, and it will really, really help you. I think just, you know, another thing you can do is just talk to your spouse about, you know, what do you think mine is? What do you think yours is? And uh, I think overall, the thing I would say is everybody needs all of these. Everybody needs quality time. Everybody needs words of affirmation. And as we get into the other ones next week, you know, uh, and everybody is so different. And I think one of the cool things is, is it, it almost kind of begins to unlock the mystery of your wife, your kids, your husband, because it allows you to kind of see into like, here's what you're wanting and here's what you're needing. And, and then you can begin to act on that and fulfill those needs. You know, I think one of the great challenges as parents is when your children become teenagers. And you know, if you've had teenagers or you have teenagers, there can be a gap. One of the ways to close that gap is to understand your teenager's love language and understand what they're looking for from you. And it can be very, very helpful as you parent your teenagers through high school and even into young adulthood. Any other things? All right. All right, why don't you all stand up and we'll pray. Man, is y'all's arthritis bothering y'all? Good Lord. My heavens. Everybody, everybody's groaning. My Lord. You want to pray? Heavenly Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus, and I pray that as we discover our love languages, Father, that you would give us the strength and the courage uh, to act on those and to, to give others around us what they're looking for and what they desire. Father God, I pray this morning that you would fill our emotion bucket, Father God, that you would make a deposit in our hearts this morning right now. And those of us that our buckets have been totally emptied uh, because of tragedy, Father God, that you would do a special work in our lives, Father, and for them, and that you're moving. In the name of Jesus, amen.